welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about our favorite Star Wars books that Mom and Disney said it don't they don't count anymore. That's not fair. We don't like that. So we started a podcast. It's called Forever Canon. This week, we're gonna review Legacy of the Force Betrayal and preview Legacy of the Force Bloodlines. But first, bum bum bum. Previously on Forever Canon. We finished book one. Yay. How did you guys like book one? I it was so good. I loved it. <laughs> so good. I loved it. I had a very different perspective this time though. Oh yeah. Where when I was like nineteen or twenty reading these, I definitely thought Jason Solo was the smartest guy. He didn't do anything wrong. He was such a badass. Like this is my remembrance of the beginning of the book. And then coming to read this, I was like, oh, but he's gonna fall the dark side, so like wait a minute. <laughs> He must do something wrong along the way. Turns out he's a bit of a prick. Uh, he doesn't do just one thing wrong. <laughs> he starts off doing Everything. things wrong from like chapter two. Right away, right away, right away. We'll, okay, we'll get to that. Let's talk about the story. I'm going to lay out for you guys the general story and we'll comment on it as we go. Basically, we're starting off. I don't know if you remember the crawl from the opening Star Wars. We're in a galactic civil war cooking up here. We are in the beginning stages of the pressure cooker. The galactic government, the GA, is at odds with Corellia over weapons and participating in the government, essentially. Corellians say you guys are being too demanding. Also, shh, don't tell anybody that Centerpoint Station, our, our mega weapon, is secretly operational again. Don't tell the, don't tell the government that. Secrets. Secrets and lies. Secrets and lies. Look at the problems, helps secrets, no and one. lies. Yeah, helps no helps one. No one. I don't all. have a proverb for it, but, you know, secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone. Quoted famously by the stripper from The Office. Okay. The thing is, though, the Jedi decide they're going to help the GA, and they intervene. They shut down Centerpoint, and crazy ghost wife Admiral decides I need to occupy a city in the system so that we don't look like a bunch of assholes who lost everything. Stupid Klauskin. AKA started a freaking galactic civil war to not look like a dick. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Seems though in the background, there's somebody interfering with the peace. Peace is trying to be kept. Peace is trying to be made, but things are, are pushing in the opposite direction. Something in the background is pushing an emergency meeting decides we need to keep the peace. We need to have an emergency meeting between the GA government and the heads of the Karelian government because we got to have some peace. So we're going to go to Toria Station and we're going to make a peace. We're going to have a talk. We're going to do talkings and then we're going to have peace. And we're going to bring the Jedi and the Jedi are going to be the middlemen. They're going to be intermediaries because they're impartial third parties, even though they pretty much work for us, the government. Nonetheless, we're going to have them here as a impartial third party. Everything goes according to plan. Psych. Everything goes to hell immediately on Toria's station. A stealthy death squad sneaks in and kills the Karelian Prime Minister. No peace. No peace for you. Don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to peace. No peace. Someone seems to be interfering with the peace again. The Jedi are on a mission to track down the origins of this magical bead and prophecy thing, while the old vets decide they're going to plan a plan. And they are going to deoccupy Relidir. Deoccupy it. No more GA. No more GA. Peace. We must have peace. But first, we must destroy each other to get the peace. The other Jedi are off to rush to their GA post. Where? On Relidir. On Trellis. We're going to split the party. We're going to divide our loyalties for peace. Which leads to, of course, the old vets trying to not kill their kids while they're liberating Trellis. And they do liberate Trellis, the city. The planet, Relidir, city, planet, Trellis. That's a mess. But the bead team has tracked its origins to a dark place where a Jedi makes a secret sacrifice to learn from a dark teacher. That's pretty much the story in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much. Um, secrets and secrets and lies and secrets. And then things keep getting worse and worse for everybody. And then at the end of the book, Jason Solo kills a Jedi and pledges himself to become a Sith. Poor Nelani. Poor Nelanani. Nelani, Nelani. Nelani? I know. Yeah. 
All it's I want to do working right. All I want to yeah. do is say Nelani now. Yeah, Nelani. It hurts. Yeah, I don't... but that's basically the story. Is there's a civil war cooking up, and despite our hero's best efforts, it keeps cooking up. And before you continue on that, I'd like to congratulate you on four and a half minutes of of not breathing. <laughs> Speed reading your own notes. Well, you know the thing is, you want to recap it quickly, but you got to hit all the hot points. Yeah. The thing is, like. There's kind of there's kind of three or four flashpoints over the course of this book where like at the beginning they're in a secret missile factory and they find out secrets. And then they go to center point and they find out secrets. And then they're on Trallis and you know that's a big a uh, big military engagement with not really so much secrets yeah. as fam on fam crime lubed. But the thing is like Oh man, it's just, it's the whole, the whole way. It's just a slippery slope the whole way. Like Leia and Han aren't telling Luke what's going on. And and, and Jason isn't telling Luke what's going on. And Jaina is just trying to do her job and be a pilot and follow her orders. And, And Jason is not, Jason is doing whatever the hell Jason wants to do. And he's dragging Luke's little 13 year old kid around with him everywhere because he's his master. Ben is his apprentice. Yeah. Like, could could the lines of loyalty be more tangled and twisted? I mean, it's... And then to have Jason at the end fall off a, cl- a cliff to the dark side. Like, jump into the abyss headfirst. Yeah, in a, in a fairly spectacular way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh you're, you're a Sith. You're going to be a Sith. I know you are. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let me just go kill my friend. They, he, they hand him a booby tassel prophecy and he's like, wow, this is legit. Yeah. I'm obviously meant to be a dark Lord of the Sith and save everybody. So I better hurry up, hurry the hell up and get on that. Like, okay. You know, the thing is, <laughs> the story is really good. I like the flashpoints. I like the action. The action spots are, are good. But, and maybe this is more true to life than I think it is because I don't live my life this way. But everybody like lying about everything and keeping secrets about everything. It's just like, man, is this not so obvious to you Jedi or to you government officials that like you're blowing it? Yeah, I don't really get it either because I'm honest to the point of being rude half the time. Yeah, right. Like then again. What have I ever had to lie about that the stake of the galaxy was at hand? Uh, yeah, you know, it's true. Well, at their level, they have to be diplomatic about a, about everything to yeah. a certain degree. Where there, there's no way anyone can get offended by me saying this. Right. Okay, now it's safe, and you can't just back away from a military engagement. No, weak. That's the thing. I, you have to he, save. He face. wasn't wrong that he had to save face. Ghosty admiral wife guy oh i'm not talking about him no but i mean like even just i'm talking about that just i guess because it kind of kicked off everything going wrong but yeah the many times over the course of this story of this 400 and whatever the hell 50 page book there was no right choice most of the way through the book a lot of the a lot of the uh conflicts involved a lot of lose lose type of type of choices until you get to the end of the book where it's coming down to the deciding moment of Jason crossing the line or not. And it's for him a win-win. Yeah. He says, I saved the galaxy and I become like, I, I, I gain knowledge and power and, and so on. And actually it's his decisions, like specifically his throughout the book the decisions that he makes, it's right or wrong. Yeah. Do I tell Luke this information? No, it's fine. Do yeah, clearly I, wrong. Yeah. Um, do I follow orders and go do what Luke asked me to say? No, or go ask me to do. Yeah. No, you know what? I'm going to switch missions with Jaina yeah. and not tell anyone. Yep. Wrong. Yep. And mm-hmm. all of it leads him on the path that yeah. has him stabbing his Jedi friend in the, right in the chest. heart of an asteroid. Poor Nalani. Poor, poor Nalani. She was the canary in the, in the coal mine that got sacrificed for the greater good. So we think. 
here's the thing though is I don't know maybe he's not wrong maybe he's not wrong maybe the galaxy is way worse if he doesn't become a Sith even if it is the wrong thing to do and and the bad person to be maybe the place maybe the whole place is worse for everybody this is the sacrifice right is like I'm gonna ruin my own life my family my future my reputation from the past I'm going to sacrifice everything about myself to the point of, you know, guess what the Sith do? They take a new name. Yeah. They sacrifice everything and become something new. And he's doing it in light of trying to protect the galaxy from itself, I guess. But what a, what a ego stroking hero, uh, complex yeah where i mean you have you have to you got to be the baddest guy ever to save yeah. everybody do yeah you know? do you though he definitely thinks very highly of himself either one way or the other i guess and i think there's one thing that's very telling about whether or not his decision was right or wrong and it's lumaya after kicking her feet up oh jubilant yeah. saying yeah, i'm all won. jacked about it yeah she's excited because she tricked him into doing the wrong thing. It's a game. She got him to do what it's just she wanted to her. him to do. She's just like pieces around just like they were wins. saying on the Dodonna was, we seem to be dancing to someone else's tune. All this interference throughout the course of the story where there's about to be peace made. There's about to be peace made. Or at least progress in that direction, in a positive direction. And it's like, boom, psych, blow it up in your face. And it goes the worst possible direction. And it's because of the influence of somebody in the background who assumedly revealed to be Lumaya by the end of the book. And I, I know most of this, like most of this book specifically is about Jason and his turn and the family ties fighting and all that. He is on the cover. Yeah, yeah he is on the cover. Um, but you, you think maybe this is, I don't know why I never thought of this before. Him, like Lumaya turning Jason, doing all this stuff is just because she hates Luke. Well, uh, that's exactly what I think it is because she mentions she has some history with his parents and his uncle and aunt, but she doesn't go into it yet. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure that will get revealed throughout the history the course of the the next bunch well, of novels, but she doesn't really say all she says is that Luke forgave her once and she doesn't say what for. So there is some kind of history there and maybe there is a score to settle and maybe that's what this whole thing is all about. Where she she'll tear the galaxy apart to to stick a knife in the heart of Luke Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. to spite one guy, she will destroy everything. Yeah, how about that? Sounds about right for the Sith we know, especially with the way that her story ends up playing out. It makes a lot of sense. But if essentially, over the course of this book, I don't know. It hasn't completely boiled over yet, but the Civil War is like you can hear the lid. Flapping open from the other room, and you're like, I better get to the stove and turn that shit down because it's about to boil over big time. The militaries have already had one major conflict. Well, I guess two. Uh, the one where they one, came into Karelia, one engagement, and, then the one where they and one that was like very close. Mission, yeah. Right? yeah. Talk about, let's talk about some of the cool ass ships that we saw during the course of this book because. One of the best things about Star Wars is the cool-ass ships. I don't know. Maybe you guys heard of the Millennium Falcon. Maybe you heard of the Death Star. That might be the coolest ship of all time. Okay? It's almost the size of a small moon. But let's talk about these ships. Kevin, resident, tech expert, take it away. Read right. up that title. Um, up to it. Well, first we're going to start with the Dodonna. Galactic-class battle carrier. Named after... The plan, uh, the plan maker from the rebellion who decided to blow up the Death Star, Jan Dodana. Yeah, Dodana. So one thing that really stands out is every Imperial Star Destroyer during the height of the Empire mm-hmm. was also a carrier, carried a lot right. of starfighters. Yeah. Um, the Rebels never really had that. 
They had a couple big capital ships, like Home One. Their Mon Cal cruiser. But they didn't have a lot of them, and they couldn't carry a lot of starfighters. Flights and flights and squadrons and squadrons, yeah. like the Which, Imperials did. Yeah. Well, so when you look at the fact that every major Imperial ship could carry starfighters, look at the starfighters. None of them had hyperdrives. Right. For the most part. Right. Then you look at the Rebel Alliance. Like baby kangaroos. Yeah. Look at the Rebel Alliance. They didn't have very many carriers. All their starfighters had hyperdrives. Right. Every single one of them. Which gave them different advantages and disadvantages in combat. I mean, yeah. obviously, if you need to retreat and all of your ships have a hyperdrive, zip, boom, you're all gone. That's great. Yeah. You don't have to get back to baby kangaroo belly and then get sucked out of there by the yeah. mama. So now... Disney. I love this analogy. The Rebels have turned into the New Republic. Yes. And that has now turned into the Warped Galactic into Alliance. It. Now they have battle carriers. Mm-hmm. Big carriers that can carry their awesome starfighters. Yeah. And not just their X-Wings and A-Wings and Y-Wings and B-Wings. They're upgraded. Which leads us into the XJ-6 X-Wing starfighter. Bum, bum. I don't know too much about that specific model because I don't think they talk about it too much in these books. They get into a new Starfighter later in the series. Which is all of our favorite, I bet. Mm. And we'll get there. Creme de la creme, that one. <laughs> um, but you got to imagine, like, like this one's probably Indubitably. a little bit better than the, uh, like right. the T-65B. Incom T-65B, yeah. which uh, is the standard X-Wing that yeah. you see in the original So movies. now this is a whole new series. Right. Because there's like the T-65, I think the B, then the C. This is the XJ series. Right. So. Extra juicy series. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Not creme. <laughs> juicy. Juicy. Can, okay. Can we all take a turn going around and saying creme? Go, Tim. Creme? Disgusting. <laughs> Thank you. Creme? Kevin, say it again. Creme. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Next. All right, so then we're going to go to switch over to the uh, ETA-5. Interceptor? Yeah, the Interceptors. These are basically the Starfighters that Anakin and Obi-Wan use at the beginning of episode Sorry, let me stop you there because I had a question. Revenge? About when you were talking about how now the uh, Galactic Alliance, the good guy government, has has ships that are like the Star Destroyers, right? Do you, how much of that do you think is the influence of being teamed up with the Imperial Remnant? Because now you have access to all of that technology and you can build upon it more so than you would be able to if you were just trying to like guess at it from the outside. I think it has nothing to do with the fact that they are now allies with the Imperial Remnant. In I think, my face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think it's now like when they were the rebels, they were hiding. Yeah, well, I they know didn't it's, have it's massive shipyards. It's definitely they didn't... an access to resources thing, yeah. too. But I just wonder, like, hey, now that they're part of the team, and you're like, you guys had a really good idea 40 years ago when we were, like, fighting to the death out there, and you, like, had a massive ship that could carry a lot of small ships in it. That was really hard to fight against. We should do well, that. After they became the <laughs> yeah, New Republic, yeah. they now had the infrastructure. Yeah, they did. The, you're right. They did the it back income then. taxes and all yeah, that stuff yeah, coming in. Yeah. They had the military budget to do it. You got to get Whereas, that Karelian tax money. Man. Yeah. The Rebel nice. Alliance was just kind of like, I'm a small sector governor. Fighting for our lives. I'm donating ships. You know, That's it was just cool. kind of, you get what you get. You don't get upset. Right. Good call. All right. Yeah. Back to the out of five. All right. The out of five. It is an upgraded model of the ships that Anakin and Obi-Wan use in Episode 3 at the beginning there. Which is one of the greatest space battles you'll see in a Star Wars movie. Hot damn. Pretty much, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Love um, it. Love it. Pause this. Go watch it. Thanks for coming back. Here we are. Um, so, again, they don't go into too much detail about like all the tech specs. There's not even any official pictures for these things. Yeah. But um, Google it. There's some pretty sweet looking stuff. Yeah. Um, there's like concept art I mean like yeah. fan art I mean yeah yeah um so they're small fast agile no shields you get hit once you're toast right pretty yeah. much there's that Im- Im- imperial uh, yeah. influence pretty much then pretty much complete contrast to that you get the a lift class starfighter pretty much which it like you can just pepper this thing with shots all yeah. day long it's not going anywhere. Han called it a tank. In the, yeah. In the, yeah. Uh, space tank. Um, now, this I thing added space. I don't know. apparently add space really fast once you can get it up to speed. Right. 
but it but maneuvers like chugga, 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 chugga. really weird. Yeah. Like, it doesn't bank to the left, bank to the right, pitch, roll. It just, like, side swipes. It strafes left, strafes right, strafes up, down. Like, it yeah. handles really weird. It doesn't, like, turn or pivot. I thought that was cool that we got, like, a like a test ship like that. Yeah. Like a prototype. And they're like, oh, we don't even know what this thing is. No, they describe this thing as, like, um, the cockpit of a TIE fighter with a turret on each side of it. Yeah. And then two long tails going out the back. Right. But then they also describe the pilot and the gunner as each having their own viewport. So I kind of see it as... It's got two of those... Two TIE fighter TIE cockpit bulbs. Kind of mushed together. Like a pair of sunglasses. Yeah. And then the turret's on the side of that. But like, this thing, no matter how you picture it, not a good looking ship. No, it's That's ugly. weird. But well, I am intrigued. I'm really intrigued with these things. Yeah. I wish there was more information and stuff on these. That is a bit of, you know, that's something you run into when you're reading the books is that, hey, they're novels. They're not illustrated. You get a cover. Other than that, you don't really get art of the characters of their uh, technology. There is a bunch of 3D modelers out there who do get like a They'll, they'll have, like, a oh, yeah. picture from, like, the background of a comic book strip. Right. And all you see is, like, a triangle. Yeah. White on black in space. And they make art. a full 3D model. And, oh, man, they're amazing. <laughs> I wish they would do that oh, with some man. of these ships. I'm not against it. But no. the thing uh, is, you know, you would love for it to be canon. Ha! <laughs> see what I did there? Nice. Yeah. Is, and, that, is that all for ships? No, I have uh, one more. One more ship. Uh, probably my favorite from this whole book series. Unfortunately, I don't think it comes out past this book. I think we're done with this ship for the whole book series. Hey, you guys can't see the confused look on my face, but I am ready. Yeah. You found your favorite yeah. in the first book. Yeah. Yeah. Peaked early, guys. I'm intrigued. To- it's the YT-5100 Shriek Bomber. Right. The modified yeah. Millennium Falcon body. It is a brand new, right off the line, Still C-E-C. kind of in a prototype phase. Picture the Millennium Falcon, but instead of like the one band of engine thrust off the back, the back. I think it's got the three thrusters. Oh. The cockpit is in the middle between the mandibles. It's got, I think. Where the, I always assumed it was. Yeah, I never I was thought it was to the. Yeah. yeah, it's just hanging off on the right there. Yeah. Um, well, now. Stage right. It's got one turret, that's I believe. Not, that's not right. Maybe. Because they just say. I'm going to activate the turret type of a deal. Yeah. They don't Well, use... it's a bomber, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's probably got bomb bays on the bottom, one turret on the top. You sounded, and it's... You sounded like a Gungan there for a second, but yes, bomb bays. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> they definitely have bomb bays. Nice. Um... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And also sense. for a high tech bomber with a turret and like, a, like a, you'd think there'd be a multi multi person crew, one crew yeah, of one. One. That's it. Crew a of massive one. Ship like that. Yeah. Well, because I guess just because it's dedicated, it's a dedicated bomber, right? So all you need is a dude to pull a switch, like pull that lever and drop the bombs. Also, made by Corellians for Corellians, <laughs> they're gonna give it to their elite Corellian pilots who can handle it by themselves, as evidenced by. Wedge and Han. Well, you know, I would give them any ship. Yeah. <laughs> As, especially if it was a mission to save our people. Like, oh, you guys are in charge? Take whatever you want. Here's here's yeah. a brand new thing. We're barely... It's just up the line. Yeah, you don't give the best guys the crappiest stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe well, maybe Han. Han <laughs> seems to prefer it. He, he pre- did he not likes, see, really like it because it was too, too he clean. He likes bolts flying off all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, things shaking apart. That's, that's Han style. Well... That's our military review corner with Kevin, our tech spec expert. Now over to you, Tim, over at the Jedi desk. What news do you have for us? <laughs> <laughs> Jedi desk. I like that. Well, because it's uh, it's a force. We're here to right? talk about force powers. Force powers. We love force powers. We love the force. I wish I had it. How many times did you try to have the force over your life, I didn't not try it a few days ago. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me phrase it that way. To try, Kevin's trying yep, to not choke out. me to death right now. I'm unchokable. Yeah, all the time, all the time. But let's talk about some of the 
maybe less the less known ones. Less known force powers that we yeah. came across in this book. One of the coolest ones, right at the beginning of the book, is when they're in that missile factory and Jason actually looks into the memories yeah, of, of a, that foreman. That guard or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On, on Adonar looks, or whatever. He is. looks into the guy's memories. And sees a memory of a of a false hidden door. Yeah, the hidden a door. A false panel that's a hidden door. That was amazing. That was that You're was right. one of the coolest. And that ones was of like the whole at the book. beginning of the book, and he's just like, uh, "Let me just read your mind into the past." I mean, probably fresh, but still. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. That's something you don't see in the movies. No, you know, there's really a little bit not. of hand waving, and people agree to what you say, and then there's like some, some choking and some pushing and running and stuff like that, but. The books really expand on what's possible with the Force, and that's why I find these so interesting. Well, not even that. They do. They go into such detailed descriptions of how they're doing yeah. Force powers that everyone's familiar with. Right. Like when um, you watch like, the movie, yeah. it just an arm moves, and then you hear like or something. Yeah. Well, like that one time when Zek's falling. Yeah. And that's they what describe I was say. how she grabs him. I'll right. let Tim yeah. run with that, but like, it's, damn, it's almost like a. I don't know, reverse force push almost right. kind of. Yeah, she what is, is she uses the air underneath him where he's about to land to push up against yeah. him. Well, not even that. His fall. It's if I think it describes it as like she reaches out and feels like the air currents and feels his essence and the texture. <laughs> right. And stuff yeah, that is yeah. him. like around him. That's insane. Yeah. And, and all, all those from his death. all the, all the things that you don't that you don't get to see like um, it's it's just a simple force push that Jason uses on center point mm-hmm. but when he kind of sees um, another one sees into the future that's another force power that he uses yeah. a couple he, in, yeah, uh, he drops together. out a couple times but, to, to still make the wrong choice yeah anyhow he's he uses a future vision to force push a button. Right, and you do, you always see them like like pushing cars, pushing people, yeah. whatever. Not not just simple. Yeah. like, I need to push this because far he's away. about to push it, and he goes, "Maybe that's a bad idea." Yeah, he looks in the future. He says, "Oh yeah, that was gonna blow me up." Yeah, so he just moves across the room, and he goes, "Think," and pushes it from across the room, and with the force, blow, and blows it up from safety, blow himself up. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Genius. He is a genius with his application of the force, man. Yeah, five year sabbaticals really helped out with that. <laughs> that, yeah. that vision quest. Really paid off for him. What else you got? The two of the weirder ones that you don't you don't see in the movies is the Force Phantoms, right? That Lumaya uses. Yeah, which maybe she's projecting some of them. Maybe they are legitimate inhabitants of the dark side energy in the cave. I couldn't really get a get a clear read well, on that. I think that I think it's both. Kind of, because I think okay. So I think she's using the dark side energies. I think to help her. I, I think the ghost that appears to Admiral Klauskin, his the ghost of his dead wife. I think that's her directly projecting a force phantom. But then the things in the cave, like the Minox, mm-hmm. and uh, and then that force ghost of Jason that talks to her as if it's an independent third party. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty blurry lines between what. It a pre is pre-existing and what is being brought into existence by her. I, I don't know. Well, in those, go ahead, Ken. Maybe it. I'm thinking it. Uh, the the Jason Force Ghost is more <laughs> the dark side, almost as its own entity. Yeah. Reading Lumaya yeah. and creating an avatar like that a, like she a, can like interact a feedback with. loop. Yeah. yeah. Where it's it's just feeding into her and she's feeding into it. That's what I want. Uh, how much. Like symbiosis is happening here or synergy between symbiosis is a good word for this Justin. thanks man i got a lot of good words for some things every once in a while i just don't use them on this podcast i save them save them for my regular life what else you got so well and another quick thing on the phantoms is when she's projecting when like when their band is fighting mara she's also projecting it to mara at the same time right Across so, the galaxy. Across the galaxy. And that was the thing in that scene where I was like, what is she doing? Just standing in the corner of the room this whole time? Lumaya? Down in the cave? Because she's standing right there when Jason's fighting fake Luke. Is she just chilling and being like, 
She's got her eyes closed. She's got her hands on her temples, like, really, like, really surreptitiously so, like, nobody notices. And she's, like, blasting ghosts all over the fucking galaxy. I don't understand, man. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know <laughs> she's how. She's strong, can... though. She seems strong as fuck. Maybe yeah. she's also drawing upon the power of the dark side in this location. Right. And it's just, like, magnet, uh, Cerebro with Professor X. It's just yeah. amplifying her power. Interesting. It's very possible. She's got some funky moves, though. The darkest one that gets used, mm. or maybe the least ethical. So far, yeah. Jason, no er- way. Erasing, <laughs> erasing Ben's memory. Yeah, he like force rubbing his memory. And the way that he describes it, it sounds messy. Like it sounds like when you erase a sentence with a dirty eraser. Yeah, where there's still smudges uh, around the edges and stuff like that. You can tell something's not right. But he's he's like, it's good enough that I can fill in the blanks and it will hold. But he doesn't he even say in that passage, he's gonna figure it out sometime, and he's yeah. gonna hate me for it. Yeah, he will figure it out. Which is a really uh, uh, an echo of what Lemaya said about Jason. He'll hate me, but he'll love me for what I give him and teach him. Yeah. The the rest of them are are the ones we all we all know. Right. The speed, the force leap, force yeah. push. Yeah, yeah. But the what, force, the force, uh, foot footboard down a skyscraper yeah. at and, full and that's, speed and not hurt your feet. And that's when about the force push. This is a question for you guys. Do you think because pulling and pushing, right? Right. Basically the same deal. Yeah. But do you think it's actually a separate skill that they have to learn? Probably, I would say no. It's it's all part of telekinesis. But what if it's like the difference between throwing something in the air and and catching something in your hand, where it's two parts of the same skill, but it does require like different fine. Yeah, it's probably more finery of the skill. It's it's all the same broad class. Yeah, but but that's what Tim's saying. Like how differentiated are they how because we do see in the books some people have an affinity for certain things like jason has an affinity for animals he always has had really strong force powers with animals some people can't use telekinesis like corn horn some jedis have parts of the force not available to them or parts of the force that they are better at and it's interesting like yeah what what is the difference between a push and a pull? Probably the same. Is there enough of a difference throwing a ball and catching a ball? Right. Yeah. Which they're is, taught at the same time usually. Right. Two parts of the same skill, but they're very different. Yeah. Really. But I guess pushing and yeah, I, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting question. The, the, All I know is that they do it like this, and I'm just holding my hand up quietly. Yeah. Just that's how it, that's how that, it works. That's how force power push it. happen. Put your arm out. That's yeah. how it works. The rest of it seems to happen in the Jedi's brain. Which is again? Do they even need the hand gesture? Is that that's just like a spellcasting focus, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that's just the it's way. like Thor's hammer. That's the way I focus. You need it energy. until you learn how to do it without yeah. it. You're yes, not the god of hammers. <laughs> You're not the god. Anyways, I love that line. That's good. That's a nice recap of the force powers, now, man. Hold on. Oh. We're missing three force powers wow, you're getting, that I can think of. You're getting called out. Oh, okay. Getting called out. Mara right uses all three of them at once to sneak into Thraken's house. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, she does. She, she levitates herself above the ground. She holds in her thermal energy from her body. And she uses the force to, uh, to control the air current moving around her right. so she doesn't appear as a void. That... Busted, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> but those were good ones, man. That was a good scene where it was like, bang, bang, bang. Here's three things you've never really seen before. And I also like... Or, like... or at least, sorry, or at least you haven't had the thought of like, hey, what if you have to control the breeze you make while you're walking? Yeah, or the description of how these how these are yeah. used. Because we may have like seen it, maybe. Like, maybe that's what they do when they're just sneaking around. <laughs> right? You just don't know. And you just don't know because it's just they, a hand you can't describe. Yeah, because you can't describe it, right? Yeah. I also like, though, that Mara's actually, as she's doing these powers, she's all kind of describing yeah. how she's doing the she's powers. She's really yeah. internally yeah. Uh, uh, breaking it down. But she also says, none of these three Force powers yeah. are super advanced. Most Jedi Knights should be able to do at least one or two of these. But, but only an experienced Jedi Master can do all three of them at the exact same time. 
And then she walked face first into a wall yeah. and said, and only a Jedi Master could do that. And she's not wrong. These people are the strongest people in the galaxy. Not the strongest kid at your high school. Not in your town, in your country, on your planet, in your solar system. They are the most powerful people in the entire galaxy. This single family. Yes. Which I, technically, I guess, is two families. But they oh. go on quite the journey throughout this book. And I want to talk really quickly just about where some of these characters started and where some of them ended. Just talking about our main characters, really. Luke and Mara, I grouped together. I'm going to say they didn't really have too much to do in this book. They were kind. Of, they had a couple of scenes where where they featured when there was the attack on the station or the attack of the Force ghosts. The dinner party was great. They're consistent. They didn't have too much to do, but they started off having a bad dream, seeming unsure of. I'm talking, I guess, just about Luke here. He seemed pretty unsure unsure of himself, even. On the station, he was like a little bit indecisive, stopping, having visions in the middle of walking around and, and doing things, right? They're both trying to get as much information as possible about what's going on. They know there's some kind of threat in the background, but they can't get information because everyone's keeping secrets. Mara, the whole way through, pretty steady, not too worried. She is, in the immortal words of Bob Seeger, like a rock. She's a rock of the Jedi. She never changes. She's got the same attitude all the time. Like a rock. All right. Anyways. But by the end of it, the bad dream is fulfilled. They get no more answers. No more information than when they started, really. But they're both still confident. Yeah. Some mysterious figure doesn't exist. At the end of the book, some mysterious figure exists so you're that's right. it <laughs> that, that's all they got that's pretty much their arc over the first book here literally the first page is he doesn't exist the last page yeah he exists mom and dad skywalker kind of just in the reflections in the bit. in the periphery great word mom and dad solo on the other hand had a little bit more to do they start off in a very complex spot they're torn between han being Carillion. All of and all of their children, thus being half Karelian, they're torn between their loyalties to the GA. I mean, Leia used to be the prime minister of the government, for God's sakes, before they changed their name and stuff. And they're pretty Jedi heavy family, three out of four of them in the Jedi Order. So, between the three major pillars of this conflict, they are wrapped around all three of them in the most twistery way, like left hand. GA, right hand, betrayal. It's bonkers, man. Their loyalties are everywhere. And what they're trying to do at the beginning is look for a solution between the GA and Karelia. They're trying to help out. They're popping in with with um, with politicians. They're popping in with the Jedi. They're checking in here. They're trying to deliver messages. They're trying to talk everybody down. By the end of the book, they've given up on that. They're just trying to keep everyone they love safe. Which, when all all options fail, that's I would think that's what most people would do. And right? that's their arc. All of their options failed. Everything failed along the way. And they end up trying just to not betray their loyalties too much. They're, they seem like they're starting to strain a bit, too. Yeah. Like, they're, they're starting to feel the mental strain by the end of the book where Hans, you know... He had to pull over, man, in the middle of the book. Yes, he did have to pull over. He had to pull over in the middle of the book. That's not Han Solo. One thing I do like about, like, Han and Leia, as strained as they are, they're strained together. They are. They never waver with each other. They're a well-written couple. Well, you say that having not read the new Jedi Order series. I would revisit that opinion later and you're not you're not wrong though they are like a freaking rock solid pretty much count on them be together on the same page team look at leia though she's a jedi 
former prime minister of like the, the galactic the alliance basically yeah. and now she's thrown that all away and betrayed that yeah to help her husband in whatever smallest way with she his could. suspicion yeah. that something weird is going on with Corellia. And he wasn't wrong. No, he was right. Everybody but she lied. threw it all away because her yep. husband was suspicious. Yep. And that she basically commits treason. Yeah. On his on his, on his word. Now he was yep. right. Yep. But no one knew that at the time. Yeah. She totally That's insane. She went she went double spy. Yeah. She lucked out. On, yeah. on on Han's suspicion. That's a really good point. Man. Although being married to the guy for so long. His suspicions tend, I would think, to yeah. When he's you know, suspicious when he's about got something, a bad right? feeling, it's usually a bad time. When yeah. someone in Star Wars says, "I've got a bad feeling about this," you better mark it. Yep. Jaina, another character with not a lot to do in this book. She starts out as a confident, fiery pilot, firmly on the side of the GA. Definitely doesn't have a boyfriend. She ends the book still fired up. Perhaps there might be some blame to be held for the GA. Other than that, she doesn't really land anywhere differently. I like how in the two cases, and the one just occurred to me, in the two instances, Jaina is the complete opposite of Jacen. Yeah. She's hot, yeah. like temper-wise. He's cold. Yeah. She, she's yes, and he's no. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't have a boyfriend, yeah. has a boyfriend following her around all the time. Yeah. Then Jasen has a girlfriend, no girlfriend in sight. She's a secret. <laughs> like yeah. Jane is not boyfriend, comes to family dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Jason's girlfriend has yet to be named. Now, imagine though that family dinner though. Can you imagine going to your family Christmas and you're the only one who's not a space wizard? <laughs> if you're Han Solo. Imagine being Zach and she's just like, he's not my boyfriend. She just keeps saying it. It's not my boyfriend. He's not my boyfriend. But your partner, so like you have to be tied to this broad all the time, and she's just constantly like, no, 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 oh, 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 oh you thought I was with him, oh, 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 oh. rude, like that's that's yeah. harsh, lady. Moment of silence for a homie in the friend zone. Yeah, you know what, partner zone, auto zone, wherever he may be, he's not in the spy zone, like our boy Ben. He starts off. As a nervous, unsure teenager on his first real missions, he accidentally causes a few deaths, none directly, other than, you know, he did chop a Minoc in half that apparently was soul-tied to somebody else, soul-bound. But he starts off idolizing his big cousin, his master, his mentor, and he ends the book, a confident young guy. Holding his own versus guards, ghosts, grabby floaters. And he's becoming more decisive. He's not so unsure of himself anymore. He is proving himself to himself while his cousin's holding his hand along the way. I think a big step in the development for Ben in his like becoming more confident mm -hmm. is Center when they're point. on Lord, I believe. And yeah. he's like... Oh, hey, guys, by the way, I found that shuttle from Toria's station. Yeah. And everyone's like, wait, what? Well, he gets a really slow build of accomplishments. Yeah. Like, but then all of a sudden he's just like, oh, yeah, don't worry. I put a tail on it. Right. He's like, and Don't forget, what? he's also the one who disabled Centerpoint. Yeah. That was him by himself in that room with the scary robot yeah. cousin wannabe. Yeah. And it wasn't just he goes into a control room, inserts a USB drive, yeah. hits enter. Yeah. You're right. No, he had to, he use had to his negotiate brain, had to use his with a robot skills. that thought it was his cousin. He had to win that, and he won it. Yeah, yeah logic to robot with with cousin with a, brain with a handheld camcorder. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that the he had a he had a good arc in this book, and you know we know maybe listeners know maybe some of you don't. He only gets better. He gets better and better. And speaking of characters that get better and better, this brings us to our final main character. Characters that get better and better as they get worse and worse. You know what? That might be the case. Jason Solo starts off super confident. Questions everything. He has very strong opinions. And he has the logic to back it all up. 
He's been a survivor all his life. And he doesn't seem to want to rely on anybody else. Either to help him make decisions, to help him solve problems, or physically to help him out in any way. He loves keeping secrets. No other main characters seem to keep any secrets from each other. Not Mind you, really. four of them are, are, are in coupled marriages, so Luke and, uh, Luke and Mara and Han and Leia really wouldn't be keeping secrets from each, themselves or each other, cross couples, their brother, they're tight. But, like, everybody else is really straightforward and pretty honest in the, in the, in the main character scope here. Jaina, Han, Leia, Luke, Mara, Ben... Jason is the only one who's lying all the time. Well, all lying, the time, lying, yeah, keeping secrets. Ben is keeping that big secret about the Anakin robot. He does Luke, have that. Luke hanging knows. Over him. He yeah. did tell Luke yeah. because, like, he had to report his mission. But he had he can't bring himself to talk to Leia. Okay, so about it. so our comparable, our only comparable, yeah. is a thirteen-year-old boy, right? Yeah. So. Put that into perspective for how this 30-year-old man is acting. (laughs) Now, it's just not a 13-year-old boy just not telling one thing to to one person. It's He can't bring himself to say, hey, I talked to a droid that was pretty much your son. Or your brother. (laughs) Whoever he's depending on. I convinced it to kill itself. That's that's a hard conversation. I can see why he's having a hard time with it. He told Luke... He at least told somebody. Yeah. He does have that hanging over his head. But Jason is definitely the only one doing this shit maliciously. Oh, yeah. Like, he's doing it for for bad reasons with darkness on his mind. And where does he end? More secrets. More bad choices. Killing people for personal gain. Brainwashing and memory wiping his little cousin. And he teams up with a Sith. He had a, he had an eventful book. He's got a lot of character movement over the course of these four hundred fifty pages. Yeah, he does. But does he really? Because he starts off in the book right away, distrustful. Um, he's literally spent on he's literally sent on a mission because the government doesn't trust the Karelians, and so like. The first perspective you get of Jason is through this lens of distrust and not believing people to be honest around him, and they're not. And so this guy just follows his own moral compass the whole way, man. The whole way. Another thing we do see with with Jason is when he's first told about Centerpoint Station as like a Jedi mission, these things to happen, he reflects on it and says, like, the last time I was there... I never would have used it to yeah. end a war in a right. million years. He's like, now? Oh, I'd use it in a heartbeat if he, it would end a war. He does spend a lot of the first part of the book reflecting on how different he is than his teenage or younger years, younger yeah. adult years. He does spend a lot of time reflecting on how hard of a man he's become over a colder. hard life. Talk a lot about his torture, yeah. his captivity, his losing his brother. He doesn't trust anybody to tell him the truth, to find the truth in a mystery. He does that. He's trying to do everything himself. And so he takes on more than he can handle. And he starts falling fast right to the dark side. But at least he's still got that secret girlfriend. (laughs) Hey, 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 you know, she'll be proud. (laughs) Oh, man. That's it for Legacy of the Force Book One Betrayal. It was a literal and figurative roller coaster inside the book and emotionally outside of the book. But now it's time to look forward to Book Two Legacy of the Force Bloodlines. And I look at this cover, Kevin, and I see somebody who I know to be one of your favorite characters, a man with an antenna attached to his robot head, 
A man with a giant laser beam rocket launcher strapped to his back. A man with some scuffed up breastplate armor. A man called Boba Fett. It's funny, most of what you just said was wrong. I know. (laughs) I thought you'd like that. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't die in the Sarlacc pit, guys. How about that? Turns out, in our canon, in our forever, never to be taken away by Mama Disney canon, Boba Fett is still alive. And the second book is about to kick off. Civil War looms as the fledgling Galactic Alliance confronts a growing number of rebellious worlds. And the approaching war is tearing the Skywalker and Solo families apart. Han and Leia return to Han's homeworld, Corellia, the heart of the Resistance. Their children, Jason and Jaina, are soldiers in the Galactic Alliance's campaign to crush the insurgents. Jason, now a complete master of the Force, has his own plans to bring order to the galaxy. Guided by his Sith mentor, Lumaya, and with Luke's young son, Ben, at his side, Jason embarks on the same path that his grandfather, Darth Vader, once did. And while Han and Leia watch their only son become a stranger, a secret assassin entangles the couple with a dreaded name from Han's past. Boba Fett! In the new Galactic Order, friends and enemies are no longer what they seem. Dun, dun, dun! That's a nice back cover. It's just as... Just as grabbing, just as intense as the back of Betrayal was. I love that they wait till the very second last sentence to drop the name Boba Fett, even though he's on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) But this does get me jacked up, man. Like, what is this book telling me on the back right now? It tells me that things are getting worse. Things are going to keep getting worse. How are these people going to stop it from getting worse? Jason is worse. Darth Vader, they say. And then they say, Boba Fett! Like Han Solo does on the skiff in episode (laughs) six. Man. Friends and enemies are no longer what they seem. That's exactly what Leia and Admiral Limpin were talking about on the Dodonna at the end of the last book. It doesn't take very long for us to become them. Yeah. Nothing's making sense. This Galactic Civil War is about to get intense, and we're going to see how the bloodlines intertwine. Catch us next time on Forever Canon when we talk about chapters one through four of Legacy of the Force, book two, Bloodlines. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. I'm Kevin. Boba Fett! For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.